Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Claire Marquick, and this is Real Life Business. In this week's episode, I am talking to Wes Allen, self-proclaimed sexiest man alive. Wes is a professional filmmaker and the CEO of Tap Edit Go, where he teaches us mere mortals how to create marketing videos for our businesses using just our smartphones. Now, Wes has also recently embarked on a brand new business venture called Small Town Media, where he and his team produce professional marketing videos for regional towns in a really cool way. So it was clear to me that Wes is really passionate about what he does, and I'm really keen to explore where that passion comes from. Whether he's always known that this was the business for him, or whether it's something that's developed over time. So here's Wes explaining the start of his journey. Early on, I, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something at a certain age, but look, running a business was never really on the mind uh, for me as a kid. Uh, I, I learned my passion very early when I was about 16, um, and that was to be a filmmaker. It was basically telling people stories. I love telling people stories. Um, and I didn't really love like acting and directing and writing movies but i loved finding organic stories and i hated journalism so i knew documentary filmmaking was a bit more of a skill set for me but running a business kind of came a little bit later but to be honest i i picked up a lot of skills when i was a kid that i didn't even know about uh my parents ran a caravan park so we lived on site and basically i lived inside a business for 12 years Mm. Uh, and I would run around reception. I would see how all the staff would talk to each other and how they would talk to their guests. Uh, one of the coolest things my dad does, and I got to give him a shout out, is because I used to just want to hang out with my dad all the time. And I was big. Oh, my dad's so cool. He was just as immature as I was. So I was like, yeah, cool. So I'd sit in his office and he would be having this big chairman meeting or something like that on the phone. Uh, this is when you had to have dial-in phones or no <laughs> mobiles. And basically he knew that i would get bored just sitting there just waiting for him to get off the phone and start bugging me so he decided to put the board meeting on loudspeaker so i could hear it so i wouldn't get bored so i used to i learned the business talk when i was a little kid just because <laughs> listening to all these all these meetings so that skill set came way later in life it kind of helped me be able to sell myself really well and mm -hmm. know at least how to talk the talk because that's yeah. a hard curve to learn for any business owner oh but, hell yeah yeah, it's it's a pain in the ass as anyone that's done a business is try to sell yourself and try to act confident and try to figure out the line of corporate but casual that now everybody wants. They don't want the corporate level because you look like a wanker. So yeah, it's <laughs> I think I think that's a really good point. And it's something that you know, I know myself, being a service-based business, I think if we've got um a product or a physical store or you know, something that we can um it is almost hide behind, you know, this mm. is the thing I'm selling or this is the the place that I sell my stuff at. Um, it's easier to talk about that and it's easier to promote that. Yet when we are our business, that's a much harder thing to learn to sell, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And when you start off, usually your business is your passion and that's basically you, really. So, and a lot of people are very unconfident, unless you've been a sales rep or a salesman in any way, shape or form, it is hard to learn the sales talk because you're basically going, especially in Australia, we don't have that ego boost of going, I'm awesome. So <laughs> uh, to be able to go, 
yeah, now I'm awesome and I'm going to tell you why I am. It's 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 a hard drive for everybody, but it's even hard for people to figure out what their passion is to be able to sell it as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a really big thing, isn't it? Because there's this, I'm hearing it anyway, there's this growing kind of buzz online at the moment that if we can, if we find that thing we're passionate about, we'll never work another day in our lives. And, you know, we should all leave our corporate nine to five jobs that make us miserable. And we should start our heart filled heart-based business doing that thing we're passionate about but I think you know to a lot of people that can seem more stressful and potentially even more anxiety wrenching and miserable than that corporate nine to five job because it's like what is that thing I'm passionate about like how do we know when we found our passion and I want to call bull crap on a few of those things anyway because people say a nine to five job is you find your passion you'll never work a day in your life and I'm like that's not true at all in any way because you have to figure out how to make your passion it doesn't feel like work that's if they want to say that but you still have to work like i i love what i do but i work my ass off and yeah. i'm tired and everything like that so i love when people say oh the it, it, those motivational quotes i've always had a bit of a tiff with some of the motivational quotes because they're just there <laughs> to get the clickbaits and the grabs and everything like that which i never like but look i understand the inspiration behind it but if you find a passion you won't feel like it's so much work but to be honest i used to be a dish pig and a dish pig for people that don't know out there is a someone that washes dishes in a cafe or a restaurant yeah. Um, and I used to do that, but I used to love it. I used to listen to music and I wasn't passionate about working, but to be honest, I used to just sit there going, I'm getting paid to do this. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is sick. I'm listening to music. I'm hanging out with cool people. I thought that was great. And I didn't think I was working a nine to five job, even though that it was nine to five, but yeah. I was a 16, 17 year old kid and just having fun, just making some extra cash so I could go around and make videos. That's what I was doing, basically. I think what you've just said there is is really interesting and I wanna pick up on it because I I think you've, you've hit on something there that we lose mm. in as much as you said, you when you're this 16 year old kid, you didn't care what you were doing. You were just, you were there, you were having fun, you were listening to music, you were surrounded by good people, you were earning money to then go and do what you loved to do. Yeah. Like, where do we lose that? Because I think, you know, we can sort of, we can get ourselves in a, um, we can get ourselves a bit lost, I guess, in the routine of, well, I, I have to do this. And um, I'm not really, uh, you know, I, I have to do this because I've got to pay this bill and I've got to pay that bill. And I'm really not yeah. finding my, I'm really not enjoying this. And, you know, we, do you know what I mean? We sort of, there's a thousand ways to do something. And the biggest thing that people get nervous about is taking the leap of because when you want to start a business when you want to have your passion grow you have to sacrifice to dip and no one's willing to sacrifice because everyone gets very comfortable and went great comfortable awesome it's the same thing with exercise no one wants to when you if you go if you've been exercising all your life it's easy it's yeah. it's just a casual routine it actually doesn't take much and you get this great iron pump from it and i'm not a big workout person either but i know that when you start working out because i've started working out a lot and never <laughs> kept going with it it sucks it hurts it's painful you're not actually getting any of the drive the next morning you're waking up and you're like why why did i do that yesterday like, why am i doing stupid. this to myself 
But if you push through all that and you keep doing it all day in and day out and you push through all the pain, it actually shows amazing results in the end of it. And you're like, wow. But it's the people that try it once they go, no, nah, didn't work. No, nah, I didn't make my million dollars in a week. So I'm out. That's basically it. So yep. look, when, when you find your passion and you go, I actually want to take the leap because I don't like my job. And to be honest, if you don't like your job, that doesn't mean starting your own business might be for you. It might be mm. go find another job. If you mm. don't like working for people, I usually find that's a better thing going into working for yourself. But yeah. doing that is a huge leap and a huge sacrifice that a lot of people don't understand. I'm like, every people, people come up to me all the time because I've been running my own business since I was 20. So they go, oh, how do you do it? How awesome is it? I'm like, look, I... I sacrifice my paycheck. I sacrifice my sleep. I sacrifice all this stuff. But guess what? I get to go surfing whenever I want. I get to kind of start work whenever I want. But I started also work late at night whenever I want. I, I get my freedom back, which is what I missed when I was working a nine to five inverted quotes job. That yep. The surf would be pumping and I wasn't able to go because I have to go to work. But now, like right after this podcast, the surf's actually kind of good. So I'm going to go and <laughs> jump in the water. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, I think that is. <laughs> I, I think that is a really cool thing, isn't it? Like we, you have when you're running your own business, you do have the ability to set your own agenda. It's something that um, both my husband and I um, talk about a lot. You know, hmm. we'll sort of, and it's very easy to take it for granted as well. You know, like it's, it's like okay, it's a work day. The kids are at school. I've got to, I've got to get work done. But yeah. we were saying just the other day, like, we really don't. Like, if we want to go take the kayaks out on the river for a few hours, like, we can do that. And we can catch up on the bookwork or whatever it was we, we're going to do later. And if that means we do it once the kids have gone to bed, then so be it. We can do that. And yeah. that's just a really cool sort of place to be, isn't it? It is. And it's, to be honest, it was a big thing that I loved about my parents all the time. Like, they were workaholics. But because we lived at the place that they worked, we got to hang out with them all the time while they were working, which to be honest, not many people get. Like that was a huge luxury that me and my family got was just to be able to hang out with our folks. Plus I lived on a caravan park with trampolines next to the beach. So <laughs> I literally my parents were just like, go outside. You've got so much more activities than any other kid does. Go have some fun. And there'd be um, all but, the other kids there as well. Cause I know exactly, like we say that to, we say that to our boys, go outside and they're like, oh, but there's no one to play with. There's, you know, there's nothing to do. I'm like, well, Go find I, some kids to play with. <laughs> exactly. Go find your next door neighbors. Just go around. But to be honest, I like had a cycle of kids coming through that I could just, and to be honest, I learned all my networking skills and working out people skills from that as well, which was cool. <laughs> but anyway, it's another story. But um, yeah, it was just, it, it was a huge level. And the big benefit for that was that my dad always committed. There was two things that my parents said because they knew that they were going to work pretty much seven days a week. Yeah. that my dad would have to take half a day off on a Sunday um, and half a day and he would always do something with us, just the boys, because mum was usually taking care of us in the afternoon, but dad was always working. So he was like, Sundays is boys time. And the one thing, because they worked school holidays, Christmas was our big thing because Boxing Day starts the following. And that's when school holidays goes crazy because everyone yep. stays home on Christmas and then goes on holiday Boxing Day. So my we didn't see my parents for about a month uh, usually. We'd see them around on the caravan park, but they would just know that there was heaps of kids, we'd be safe in a caravan park and that's about it. Yep. Um, but they had a huge passion for helping people and loving people and building memories and family time um on because my dad was a big family man so he loved having 
family communities, but he loved having family communities with his friends and not just with his family, but with every person that he met. So mm. that was his big passion. He built a business out of it, which was great. So he tried to be an architect at one stage and he loved it, but he didn't like the office. He definitely loved what he did now. So a lot better. I think something that we spoke about um, earlier is is that when you can blend passion with purpose, then mm. you've really got the winning formula. So, yeah. you know, like you were just saying then about your dad having that that passion for just for for helping people. And, and if you can sort of find the, the purpose in your life, so if your purpose is, you know, you're wanting to sort of um, do things and be the example for your kids or, you mm. know, like when you when you can blend them together, I think you've really got that winning formula, haven't you? Like, what, what would you, you say and... your purpose in life is? Yeah, my, my... My purpose in life, as, as I said before, was uh, my purpose in life is to help people tell their stories, which mm. I built, I found out young, which was awesome, picked up a camera when I was a kid. So being a filmmaker was just came naturally to me, love telling stories. But I also loved, my big thing was I didn't love just capturing the stories, it was actually presenting it to other people. And as much as you want to call it egotistical or anything or narcissistic, I don't think that's probably the right word, but I loved people watching my videos going, that was a great video. And if they said that was a bad video, that would just be like, oh, well, I've done something wrong. Like, mm. it's not a good story. It's, it just hasn't hit with anybody. And that's how I got my fuel for what I would do next and try to keep making it, which, look, I worked in the big film industry and I kind of got out of that because I realized I wasn't getting my drive for it because I'd be working on a lot of crap films and <laughs> they just wouldn't go anywhere. And I'd just like, people like, what did you work on? I'd be like, I'd be embarrassed to tell them, but it wasn't my fault because... I was just one of the people inside the crew. I wasn't any of the head department. So yep. it's just, I was just like, okay, I want to go run my own business and then do have you more your control. Own shots. And YouTube was starting up and video was becoming a huge demand at that time. So it was, it made sense to do it. It just kind of fell naturally to me. So that mm. was awesome. But look, I found my, and people, it was trying to make money out of the purpose and passion was the hardest thing. So you find your passion, your passion is just, whatever you like to do it's it, your passion could be dogs if you like uh but your purpose is it cleaning dogs or is it actually um rescuing dogs is it mm. killing dogs oh, i probably shouldn't say that but it's, <laughs> what, what's what's your like there's there's different areas of what that purpose for what your passion actually is so yes. your passion can my passion is storytelling um, but I, I don't want to be a novelist. I don't want to be an artist. I was just about to say, you're not, you're not going to go out and write a book or... No, I can't write. For, like, I'm very dyslexic, so I can't write for my life. I've got other <laughs> people to do that for me. Um, that's why I went into video. But, like, there's, there's so many different ways to help people tell their stories. And my purpose was filmmaking and documentary filmmaking. That's what I found worked for me because I liked that purpose. So they're, they're two very distinct things, and you've got to kind of work that way but then there's the third stage which a lot of business owners struggle with because we usually find how we could do things but how to make money from it is yep. the next huge step and i wasn't making money for a long time my first business uh, i started was called forever films and i thought it was an amazing idea i was like this is going to be the greatest thing everybody's going to want this it was <laughs> capturing grandparents stories so I would, because I love capturing documentaries and I knew old people had the best stories. Yes. They've always lived the most and they would always be through wars or immigration or something crazy had to happen to them every single time. So I'd sell it to their kids or their grandkids and I'd say, hey, you want to capture your 
grandparent's story after they pass away, you'll be able to pass it to your kids, to your grandkids, and so on and so forth. The memory will live forever. And I'm like, that's an amazing idea. And then I was like, here's the price. And they're like, I'm not paying that on my grandparent. And I was like, really? And like, for us to do our job, we couldn't do it for, we were doing it for about $2,000. And that was to capture their entire memory in a 10 minute video, which was weird. I was working young then. So that was very cheap. Like me now charging would be way more to do that. Mm. But um, people weren't willing to pay for it. And I had to validate that. And then I did about five um, freebies and then sold it, tried to sell it to heaps of people. And it just went, and just didn't work so mm. yeah which is well, failed businesses you learn a lot from but i learned very early on is that even i how i have a passion and a purpose for it doesn't mean that it's not it's going to be a successful business because i didn't validate if it was valuable to other people if which... people were going to pay money for it because i think in that sort of situation um it's clearly valuable to other mm. people isn't it like people would people want it but yeah if people aren't prepared to invest the money into it if they're not prepared to buy it then it, you know it's it's a nice heartwarming hobby isn't it as opposed to oh, a exactly. commercial business and this is the other thing because i've got i've had advice from mentors left right and center and i just had a mentor say to me look do you want to make that business that you can sell on and go crazy or do you just want to make a living because mm. if you want to make a living figure out how much that living is going to cost you. Like, are you going to live a multi-million dollar mansion life or are you going to live in a caravan and travel around the like Australia or the world, which costs you next to nothing? Like live, live as a nomad if you'd like. Yeah. That, that costs way different prices. But if that's your purpose, like if that's what you want to do, figure out what that's going to cost. And then that's your goal to hit when you make your business. You just yeah. make a little bit more as profit just for a rainy day and that's what you work towards and if you're trying to work towards that multi-million dollar thing is making much cash because that's how a lot of business owners think they go oh, i need to make millions and millions and millions just to say i had a success because that's what other people have done but success I, is what you think exactly i could not agree more and i mm. think it drives me nuts and the, the amount of stuff you know me being a coach the amount of ads i get on facebook and google you know how to become a seven figure coach in seven days <laughs> and all this sort of stuff and it's just it's thrust in your face and it's like it's to me it's complete bs to even begin with like i'm like as if you're gonna make like that much money in seven days like come on be real yeah, um yeah, but it's it's that constant like repetitive like bombardment in your face of this is what success is and i think that adds so much pressure to the everyday person you know like the kind of person listening to this podcast i'm like yeah all right i'm not going to turn down a million dollars if it comes into my bank account but at the same time um i don't I don't define success by me earning that much money. Exactly like you said, it's like let's. What does this? What does success look like for me? Exactly. Um, what what? And money is going to be a part of that. Of course, it is because we need to pay our bills and we need to live. But there's so much more to it than that. You know, what yeah. sort of lifestyle do we want to live? What what is our business there to facilitate? That's the question that I ask a lot of my clients. You know, like, what mm -hmm. is your business there to facilitate? What do you want to be able to do in your life? And then we create the business around that. Yeah, which I look, I 100% agree. It is that three stages. You've got to figure out if you have something first, but you got to figure out if you actually enjoy doing what you do. Because if it, because I did other 
businesses as well that I didn't enjoy. And I was just like, oh, I thought it was a good moneymaker. So I was going for the third result, not figuring out the first two. So it is really that three stages is figuring out what your per, uh, per passion is, sorry, figuring yeah. out your passion, then figuring out your purpose behind that passion and figuring out if you can sell it. So how, how to make success out of that really yeah. the big things um and it, it's gonna daunt people to try to figure that out but you've got to start from that first one and work your way up because if you work from the last one and work your way down you might you might make a business but i know heaps of people that worked on that last one but most of their passions and purposes we want to just build businesses mm. and their businesses and their passion and their purpose is just to make sure that dollar figure is the most profitable dollar figure that it has. And if that's your purpose, then you just find niche markets. Rock on and you go forth with that. Boom. But if you don't like that, that's where you, if you're going to just try to make niche businesses, you're going to hate it because you're not driven on results. You're driven on, because I'm not driven on results. I'm driven on storytelling. I like when I see people making their own stories now, because that's what we do. We teach people how to make their own videos on their smartphone. And mm. I love just seeing people, they're, they're obviously not making the most professional videos, the most cinematic things in the world. <laughs> but me being able to go, I taught them how to just at least talk on camera properly and at least build a structure of a story and then put some great visuals to it. They're doing that on their own. And I taught them that. That's that's a huge success because that's me still going to my original passion, which is helping people tell stories. And mm. now I'm, I kind of tweak it for my business, which is helping people tell their own stories. So that's yeah, that's 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 a huge love and passion. But unless you figure out that model for yourself, yeah. But I, it's not your own, you can't really just go to people. This is your passion. You kind of, just, you fail a lot trying to figure that out and figure out those first two and how to work. It's not a simple formula. Like we just said, three steps. That's different for everybody. Everyone has their own story, really. Absolutely. And and I think, and again, you just hit, an, hit, hit another nail on the head there. Like you can't, you can do all the planning and the preparation in, in the world to, can't you? But like we, we, we don't, we just don't know what's going to happen. You can do all the most comprehensive market research. Yeah. Um, you just don't know what's going to happen. Like who would have predicted the global pandemic that, um, no. that we've just had, you know, your, your, um, one of your current businesses, I should say, tap in and go. You know, you're 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 on the road. You're delivering face-to-face -face workshops. You're there helping people create, like you say, these these amazing marketing videos on their smartphones. Yeah. And then something like COVID hits uh, and and essentially shuts down how you how you do business. Just just like that. You know, how do you? How do you keep going? I mean, that was an extreme example. But, oh, no. It's, you know, in, it's, in business, there's stuff that happens all the time, isn't there? So what, well, what keeps you most, going when it gets tough? Yeah, it's going to be the most relevant for everybody because that was a tough time for everybody. It's going to be something that we all talk about for years and years to come. But if you don't know how to pivot and change things, because to be honest, my first two things didn't change. My, my passion and my purpose behind it, those didn't change at all because I figured that out. That's my goal. Um, the success and how I got that success is what I had to pivot and change. I just mm. had to figure out that formula. And yeah, look, I took a hit like everyone else. I was, I was two years into business and I was going on an upward trajectory that was looking awesome. And I was just going to keep touring around and keep making a brand for myself. And then I just went, well, I was doing education. So luckily that my business was able to go online with online education because everyone was doing that. And mm. I was dabbling in that anyway. So but like the big thing is for me, I'm a huge extrovert and a huge traveler. So the biggest struggle for me, which I had to figure out was 
how to sit still. That was <laughs> huge. Like my business, I'd go, cool, I'd too. Because like I realized that I loved traveling very early on when I was doing those storytelling. I, I went and worked for nonprofits over in Africa and I was like, go throw yourself in one of the hardest situations and have fun kind of thing. And then I was a tour manager for bands and basically I would take photos and videos while I was on tours at the same time. But we would constantly move and it's just something that fit well with me. Mm. So when COVID hit, I had to just stop. And I was living in a van at the time, traveling around and touring. And I'd always have big apartments that I would rent out when I didn't need, when I needed to, a break. But yeah. most of the time I would be on the road. So I had to pivot that and figure out how am I going to get my fix or my release? Because everyone has a fix. I don't care what anyone else says. Everyone's like, oh, I don't have an addiction. Everyone has an addiction to something good. Everyone like, has an addiction to something. It's not necessarily narcotics no, or alcohol a... or chemicals or whatever, but something. Yeah. And if you don't have an addiction, you're probably not living a pretty good life. Like, like my addiction is definitely surfing and traveling. Like they're my two and they're healthy addictions. And I love, like, I get itchy if I don't be in the water for more than a week. I'm like, no, nah, I I need to get in some sort of water and chlorine freaks me out. It needs to be like salt water. Um <laughs> So yeah, and basically traveling, if I'm sitting still at one point, so I, during COVID, I moved three times. Like I actually moved house three times because even that gave Crazy me a person. Bit, of, <laughs> bit, bit of joy. I was just like, okay, I'm moving now. I'm moving again. I haven't packed my bags for a while. I'm my, getting itchy. <laughs> I haven't packed all my stuff, which my stuff fits into one car. So I just packed up and moved to another house, which is fine. And then I just locked down in that house for a while. So there's different things for a bit different people and you just kind of have to figure out your passion and what your addiction is because if you if we want to say it that way if you want to figure out what your addiction is usually that's a good starting point to figure out what your passion is to be able to make money from it mm, totally totally yeah. so would you say that that's your like what what you do now is is your is your energy source you know like um th that thing that keeps you going that drive you know because you've tapped into that that's that's what you can just keep pushing forward with no matter what when shit hits the fan it's like no, i know my passion is about helping people tell their stories that's mm. that's is that your drive or have you well, got some it, other kind of inner power source i've got i've got a bunch of different little drives like i've got a kind of and you can put little circles around it there's heaps of people that do diagrams for your personality and all that kind of crap but it's basically i have one kind of drive of what i really like doing and to be honest, I might get sick of it, like, but I'm definitely one of those people that like telling stories at a party, like sitting around. I've got all my other mates that are all storytellers as well. So yeah. we're constantly talking at a pub, drinking and just telling the best of stories. Um, so storytelling is always going to be my passion and helping people tell people stories is always going to be a passion of mine. Um, but like, as I said, I've got different fixes and surfing. If I figure out how to do storytelling and surfing together and traveling and all that kind of stuff, yeah, great. I'll figure that out. But yeah, <laughs> you get tired sometimes and you get exhausted from things. So it's, I, 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 I like pivoting. I like trying new things. I'm, I'm a, I didn't realize with this business. So this business, I didn't realize I was going to be the facts. I actually didn't like being on camera. I didn't like presenting. I'm a huge extrovert and a huge talker, but I didn't actually like, like doing that behind the camera. Yeah, I like doing it behind the camera. I didn't really like being like the kind of egotistical center of attention. You have to listen to me because I'm always right. Um, yes, I have that with my brothers. Like they definitely need to listen to me. I'm always right in front <laughs> of them. But like, 
I my whole job was to be behind the camera and my energy came from talking to people and dragging their energy out of so I kind of had to be more energetic behind the camera to make that person that I was interviewing more Shine. energetic because they were more uncomfortable in camera. So there's a whole thing about mimicking when people you sit and have a conversation with someone. If you're stiff, they're going to be stiff. If you're yeah. energetic and happy, they get energetic and happy. I don't care what you think about energy levels or anything like that, but there is definitely a pattern of how you behave reacts to someone else opposite you. If you're oh, angry, 100%. if I start yelling at somebody, someone's going to start yelling back at me. And one of my favorite things to try to do especially when people, this is a side story, when people yell at you, if you can do this, I figured this out when I was a kid, it was always the best thing because it would make them more upset. <laughs> you are, you act opposite to them. You don't act the same way. So if someone yells at you, you laugh at them and they, they don't know what to do with it. It's the funniest thing to do. So you just <laughs> flip it. And it would always become out the best story. Like I grew up in a country town, so there was always pub fights. And me and my mate, we used to just, people would try to fight us and we would just st start rolling on the floor laughing constantly or, or try to dance fight them, do them something completely opposite and it would <laughs> throw them off. And it was always the best thing. So side note, but anyway, oh, that's uh, I love it. <laughs> I just... one, one, thing that I, um, one thing that I ask all my guests on this show is, you know, what's, a, what's, what's your best life hack? You know, what's, what's one <laughs> practical tip? <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe you've already told us. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of ones, which is great. So, but yeah, it was always the thing. But like, I just remember, because my big thing is storytelling and I loved telling people stories. I love sitting across the room because one of the things that everybody, I learned, I, I had a mentor, a documentary mentor tell me this. Um, and it took me a while to figure it out. But I learned it when I was, again, very young when I was in Africa, was a mentor said to me, he's like, no one is ever wrong. Like everyone has their own right, which was amazing. Blew my mind when he said that. And I was like, mm. what do you mean? And he's like, if you can sit there and have a conversation with someone and empathetically figure out from their perspective where what they've been through, how it is, you will actually figure out in their mindset that they're not wrong. And you should never go into an argument unless you're willing to have your own mind changed with something else mm -hmm. I got taught. So That's if you awesome. can go and yeah, that kind of blew my mind as well, hearing that, because I would be able to sit down with someone like I've sat down with uh, children's soldiers, I've sat down with criminals, I've been, I spent five days in a South African prison interviewing people, which was as awesome. You do. As you just do. To be honest, it's really casually. Weird. Most check the diary. What am I doing today? Okay, five days in a South African prison. <laughs> but yeah, literally, weirdly, most documentary filmmakers have been in a prison filming. Some it's everyone I talk to. They're like, yeah, I was in this prison, or I was in this. Anyway, that's another thing. But if you can sit there and actually ask these guys, most of them realize that they did something wrong. And I, but you say to them. Like when you were thinking about it, when you were there, why do you think it was the right thing? Like, I want to know because you probably were right in that moment. Mm. It's just in your mindset at the time that you're doing an action. No one's ever doing an action to be wrong at that action right there and there. Exactly. Morally or society might agree differently, but in your own internal level, you're like, that was the right it's thing. It's the 100% right thing to do in that moment. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So I learned that with filmmaking and that's always helped me with selling as well and helped me with passions of working people out because if you can figure out what they want and what their right thing is, you can usually navigate that to be able to help them. And I don't say sell to them or pitch them because 
every business owner shouldn't just be there to try to make money out of them. That's when you're kind of selling dodgy things or scamming people. Yeah, but if you're there you to come help across them, as they'll... the you know the pushy, greasy salesperson. Yeah, but it literally, people will pay whatever you want if you're going to help them. If they've got a, a problem that they need a solution for, they'll almost pay anything. They'll just go, "Yep, this is this is I need this. This is solving every single problem that I have right now. I'll pay whatever you need." And that's people have wellness education and stuff like that, which helps a lot of people. And people will spend a lot of money in that. You can talk about anything, any product, even I'm not going on that rant, but even religion, religion helps so many people and people do pay to put their five bucks or whatever it is. in, and you can pay whatever you, if it's helping you people, it's sellable basically. Exactly. I think I think kind of just sort of uh, coming full circle and, and wrapping mm. up a few things you've said, you know, like when <laughs> you 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 find you if we can find that thing that we're really passionate about, if we can then find a purpose within that, that kind of that, that becomes our drive, that becomes our energy source, you know, that thing that's just going to keep us going, keep us on track. And we can find a problem to solve that people will pay money to have solved. Yeah, then you know, essentially that's as easy as it is, the winning formula, isn't it? But, you know, as we all know, both you and I know, and everybody listening to this who runs a business, like it's not it's not always easy like that. Stuff always happens. Um, but if we've got that core thing to hold on to, if we know what we're doing it for, then it just helps weather that storm, doesn't it? Yeah, and I would say that with anything. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that you get that's 100% satisfactory all the time like there's always a downside to it like like i like snowboarding as well i hate sitting on a chairlift but i know that's what i have to do to get to the top of the mountain to go down and snowboard (laughs) if i could cut that out great i would have 100 percent success but no one gets anything without a little bit of work or a little bit of pain but work towards that that addiction of something that's actually rewarding to you so love it yeah that's that's what i would say with that if you can find just that little bit of joy, how much work is it going to take you? And are you willing to actually do that work to get that joy yes. as well? Yeah, yes. That's pretty much what they, it is. They, they say that um, the most successful people in the world hold themselves accountable to to high standards and um, and have sort of routines and rituals that, that, that they do. What are some of your like non-negotiables? What are some of the things that you've just learned over the years of, you said, sort of failed businesses and, mm. um, you know, starting something and then realizing it's not for you? What, is, what are some of the sort of standards that you now set for yourself? Oh, non-negotiables. Uh, I'm trying mm. to think. I've got. I've definitely got a few personal non-negotiables. I don't hang out with dickheads. That's basically one of my biggest ones. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I could say that on this podcast, but I definitely don't hang out with those kind of people. Um, there is some logic behind that, isn't there? Because if we hang out with the wrong kind of people, you know, the, pe- the those that judge us, those that bring us down, those that sort of throw in all that self-doubt, like that, that that's not serving us, is it? Like, no, hang out with cool not. people. Don't hang no, out with dickheads. There we not. go. Life and- hack number two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life map number two. But it was just something like I, again, I, I learned out with some of my friends that like some of them were just draining me and it was just, and people like, you can't hurt people's feelings. And I was, I grew up with three brothers. So I grew, learned very early on just to say, no, nah, get stuffed. I don't care what you think. Like literally, I don't have time in my life to worry about your kind of emotions. If I don't disagree with it, I'm not going to change like my core values which my core values was going out and having fun Mm -hmm. and if one of my friends was like 
no, I want to sit here. Or if you like, I had a girlfriend once that basically just wanted me to sit on the couch all the time. And my whole thing was, no, I need to go out and do something, meet people. And she was a huge introvert. And it didn't like, I know that people need time to like charge up, but I couldn't do yeah. it every single day. And she just wanted to spend quality time with me, which was her love language, which is another whole thing, but I knew that that was her thing. <laughs> another whole conversation. Another whole conversation. Some people will know about it, but that's that was her thing. She wanted to spend time with me, but my time was to go out and be with other people and do stuff, have adventures stuff. and do instead of sitting on the couch and watching TV, that was not my uh, purpose on that. So that was a non-negotiable for me. People that like, not saying we didn't like each other, but it wasn't a fit. The puzzle, I'd never try yeah. to make things fit if they just don't work. If you just go, look, logically, this is not working. I understand there's emotion, there's all this involved, but my non-negotiable is this is what I want in life. I know very clearly what I want. I want to fit people around me that want the same thing, or at least it works the same way. Most relations, people don't do that with relationships either. They don't work, work out what their life goal is, how many kids they want, how many things they need, how much they want to travel. And I know things get in the road in life, but if you don't have the same values on that and the same puzzle piece, it's going to blow up in your face. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. There's, there's just, I, I love, <laughs> I love conversations with you Wes. like they just go off on all these tangents and who would have thought that, you know, sort of a, a 40 minute chat about finding your purpose can end up going on talking about um, addiction and criminals <laughs> and prisons and who knows what, but yeah, no, we, that's, we, that's, isn't that just the, the beauty of storytelling though? Like you just, you just don't know where it's going to go and you just conversation you know, you go along for that ride. Flow. Yeah, you're meant to go on this amazing ride. And it's the it's the one thing I I always say the best conversations I ever have with people is one little thing sparks and we go off on a right hand tangent and just it goes forever. I know you and I were talking about what are we going to talk about? And we even relisted a few things and I don't think we've touched on any of those. I don't think we have. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah, I, I used to love conversation. I, I like people have probably done this before where they've stayed up chatting all night with somebody and they didn't even know how that happened. They're like, what did we even talk about? It's just because storytelling goes, oh, let's connect that one last bit you said to another whole story that I have and yeah. another whole story, or let's ask a question that will throw a curveball and go on a great ran random tangent. I love having conversations <laughs> with strangers. It's the, it's the best because you work out who they are very quickly by asking some random questions. Totally, totally. <laughs> oh. Love it. Now, cool. if anybody wants to um, find out more about what you do, get in touch, ha just have a chat and have some more storytelling time. How can people yep. find you? Uh, look, we, we my business is called Tap, Edit, Go. And yeah, we teach people how to shoot and edit on their phones, basically making amazing marketing videos with just the device you have in your pocket. And people can find us most of our training can be online. We do a lot of physical stuff. We do private workshops, everything like that. But most of the stuff is just through tapeditgo.com. Um, we do international stuff as well. So if any international people- The world's people your oyster when it's online. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which we can do. But um, I've spoken even before COVID, I was in America doing conference talks and stuff, which was just very before cool. COVID as well, which was another, we won't go into that story, but that was a very nerve wracking thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> got back in time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and they can find us on our website and really just reach out to us because we're friendly and we, we're happy to talk and figure out what chat. you need. Yeah, we, we'd like to hear your story and then we'll figure out what you need from there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure as always. And I oh, trust I that uh, everyone listening has got their one little bit of gold out of this conversation. <laughs>
Thanks, Claire. Oh, what a fabulous conversation. What were some of your key takeaways? I guess for me, there were three main ones. Firstly, the fact that working our passion doesn't mean that we don't work. You know, we probably work even harder and sacrifice more than if we otherwise would. But perhaps the difference is it doesn't feel like work. I think the second thing out of that that I found really, really important, and it's something that I talk to all my clients about right at the outset, is being really, really clear what success looks like for us. You know, what lifestyle is our business here to facilitate? You know, are we striving for that seven-figure business, or are we striving for something just to give us enough money for, um, you know, a bit of play money and 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 holiday money, for example? You know, what what does success look like? I think that's a really, really key thing to hone in on. And then we can use that as our goal or our fuel to keep sure, keep making sure we're pushing forward in the same direction. And I think that the third thing that really struck out, stood out for me in that episode is how being clear on our why really helps give our business resilience. You know, Wes was saying he's had four failed businesses along his journey. Um, but what he's always stuck true to is his why. And when we know why we're in business, then we can always pivot on the how. And, and that helps us weather the storms and the troubled times. So I think there was some awesome advice in there as, as well as some great little life hacks. Did you pick them up too? Um, I particularly loved everyone has their own right. I mean, how cool is that? Everyone has their own right. So even though we might not necessarily agree, you know, when we can learn to accept that to that person, to their, to their reality, what they're saying or what they're thinking is right, then wow, that opens up so, so much. And uh, I also loved the the non-negotiable of um, paying attention to people that really lift us up, you know, making sure we've got the people around us that lift us up and support us. You know, there's no need to waste time with people that drag us down and, and drain our energy. So there's some really, really awesome advice there. And thanks again to Wes for um, a, an amazing conversation. As we mentioned, all of Wes's contact details will be in the show notes to this episode. So if you're keen to um, chat with him or find out any more about what he does with Tap, Edit, Go or Small Town Media, then you'll be able to check out the links in the show notes to this episode. Alrighty then, that is it from me for this week. What now? I hear you cry. Well, now there are three things that you guys can do for me. Number one is jump on over to Instagram or Facebook if you are curious to continue the conversation after the show. I'll leave the links to those communities in the show notes to this episode. Number two, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast app of your choice because that will mean that you never miss a new episode when it drops. So that is something that would be truly awesome for you to do, please. And third and finally, if you are listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review will really, really help support me and this show and enable the awareness of this show to increase and for us to gain momentum. So if you are an Apple Podcast listener, please jump on now and leave a five-star review of the show. I would really, really appreciate it. 
Alright, I will sign off now and we'll be back in your ears really, really soon with another episode of Real Life Business. Till next time.